0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
1: Ultimately, you know, going to keep saying it, get 1% better
0: every day, just get a little bit better every day. As part
1: of what we do, we handle it professionally. And... It's never easy. These coming years, never easy. Feel good about where we're at. So we had a great training camp. Stayed relatively healthy. You know, a couple, you know,
2: losses, but that's you know, part of it. Welcome back. 1% better. We are 10 days away from the season opener. Thank goodness. This is Zach Kiefer joined by James Boyd. Back at West 56th Street this week, the Colts went through roster cutdown. They got down to 53 players. They made some additional moves we can get into. And then they start into Houston. We saw Darius Shaq Leonard back on the field on Wednesday. They'll have practice again Thursday before the players get Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. And then it's a game week. Finally, James, there's a game that matters coming September 11th in Houston. We'll both be there. But let's start with yesterday. We got to sit down with Chris Ballard at 4 o'clock to really work through the roster cutdowns that the team made this week. Some tough decisions, some surprising ones, I think and then also really set the stage for this season. And I remember last year, this is what I led my story off with, last year in this very situation, Ballard ended his press conference by saying, look, let's just see how things play out, and then you can kick me in the teeth. Well, that came in Jacksonville in January, and everybody kicked the Colts' teeth in because of the way it finished. But James, what was your takeaway from yesterday's session? A little a little prickly, Chris Ballard, about you know letting some guys go and the state of his roster – um, what was the couple takeaways that you had from yesterday?
3: I thought it was very interesting to hear him talk about Sam Ellinger, just because it's unusual to carry through quarterbacks on your roster. But he said he played his way on. And I mean, from the naked eye, I feel like the average person could tell he played really well in preseason. But there is still a significant reason not to keep him there and to keep that spot open, you know, for other positional needs on your roster. So I thought it was the Colts' way of saying, "Hey, you earned it. This is one of our guys." You know, obviously, he's not going to be the guy tomorrow <laughs> or anything like that. But I thought it was an interesting move, and to hear him discuss it, you know, it it, it makes sense. Like I understand it. Of all the guys in the preseason, he played the best, um, not only on the Colts, I believe, but around the NFL. And, and you know, they followed up and asked him, you know, "Hey, do you think he would have got picked up?" And he just, right off the bat, no question. So I think, I think that was probably
2: right. Yeah, I, and so, I think so, too. I think, it he, sends a, I think it sends a wrong message if you cut Sam Allinger. Like, I know where he's at on the depth chart, but if you cut a guy that earned it, I think that sends the wrong message to the rest of the locker room.
3: Exactly. And I think that's when we get into, like, the nuance of, like, football, the business of it, but also the relationships of it, but also the culture, quote unquote, that everyone talks about and, and wants to build. So I understand it. But I also understand, like on the flip side, like you keep a guy like Sam Ellinger, you have to cut a guy like Sterling Weatherford, who they really liked. And, you know, he got picked up right away by Chicago and kind of gets to stay close to where he grew up here in Indiana. So that's one of the casualties making that decision. So I know there were a couple of other decisions that maybe weren't surprising when we look at like them and take a step back and look at, okay what do these guys offer? But I know you can touch on this a little bit, but Philip Lindsay was one where we were both looking at each other at Lucas Oil like, hey, you know, who's that starting at running back? It's not Phillip. And um, yeah, again, a week later,
2: it's, it's not Phillip. Yeah. So if it was just based on running skills, Lindsey won the job. Like, in my opinion, he was for the, everyone that wasn't at Westfield every day. Like Phil Lindsey was the running back. Number three, without a doubt, he was better than Deion Jackson. And it was a surprise cut that they let Lindsey go. But I think the Colts are making this very clear. If you're going to be the third running back on a team with Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines, you're not going to be there to be a running back. It's just that obvious. They're going to need you to be a special teams guy. And Deion Jackson plays special teams. He got better in that area this year. And Lindsey doesn't, and he doesn't play him. And when you're going to give all those carries to Hines and Taylor, and Taylor's going to get a lot, and Hines is going to get some, there's just no real need to have a third running back that just does that job because he's not going to use. they're not going to use him for that job. So, you know, Deion Jackson, I think it was pretty telling that they started him Saturday night against the Bucs, because that was basically an audition. If he was decent enough, then they were going to keep him. There's a couple other moves they made on the offensive line. And and this is I want to get your thoughts on this group, because Ballard, he said some things I just flat out didn't agree with, just did not agree with yesterday. I don't I don't believe in the depth on this unit right now. If I'm wrong, I'll eat my words in a couple months. But they've got the five starters. You know, there's still questions about prior at left tackle and Danny Pinter at right guard. And then before yesterday, they had a bunch of rookies, really, and second year players. They had, you know, Will Fries and Wesley French and, and Bernard Ryman. Ryman made some strides, but I'm not sure they're ready to put him out at tackle right now, considering he, how young he is in his football career. I mean, I think, he, I think he made strides in training camp, but the one move they made yesterday that makes you feel a little bit better is they brought back Dennis Kelly, who they had originally cut for the 53. He's a veteran swing tackle that they need. That makes you feel a little bit better about the state of their tackle situation heading into week one and beyond. But, you know, Ballard said, look, they're young. That's not a bad thing. They're young. That's a good thing. I don't know how I feel about that group. What was your sense at coming away from training camp where, frankly, I wasn't that all impressed with the offensive line? Yeah, it's a
3: weird dynamic because at three spots, you have guys who are really, really, really talented. And then at the two other spots, it's like, hey, you know, are they going to be good enough to keep Matt Ryan upright, which in reality is your season, basically. I mean, that's for every quarterback in the NFL. You want to make sure that guy does not get hit pretty much at all. So I thought the Quentin Nelson contract discussions were interesting about paying him and and getting the deal done, but it's like at the same time, you're still not addressing the other parts of the line. And obviously Dennis Kelly helps, but I think that One of the interesting things that he said was, like, they're young, but you only get veterans unless they play. And that's not necessarily true. You can go out and get veterans, like, right now if you wanted to and not play those young guys. So it's a calculated risk. Like, obviously, they're not going to come out and say on the first day of, you know, practice or whatever, like, we don't believe in these guys. They're not going to you know, do well. I think all the questions where it's like, what do you think of this group? Do you have, do you think of any weaknesses? Do you think it's all like, you know, vanilla? Oh, we think it's great. We're, we're, we're improving. And time will tell if this was a situation where they drug their feet and it came back to bite them. So I'm on the same page as you. I think that it is an area that is not a strength of the team. You look at other groups. We'll see. I'm you're, you're banking on a lot of guys who haven't proven it yet to prove it Simultaneously,
2: wait, wait. Are you talking about the O line or the wide receivers? No, oh, because you could be talking about both. <laughs> that,
3: that's true. That's true. But that's my thing, though. It's like even if, like, you got one guy on the O line who hasn't played much and steps up and plays well, are you sure that, like, both of them are? Same thing with wide receivers. I mean, Michael Pittman is gonna be Michael Pittman, as he said verbatim.
1: You know, Pittman's Pittman. We thought Pierce did some really good things. Um, he's gonna have to grow up in a hurry, but we think he will. He's very smart. He's very talented. We thought Paris had a, had a really good camp also. And so did Ashton Dillon. So we feel really good about it. You know, Patman came on there at the end. And then we liked Strong's talent. So we feel good about
3: the group. Are you sure that Paris Campbell and Alec Pierce and Ashton Dylan and all these guys who haven't proven it in an NFL game are going to prove it simultaneously? Like, we were looking at each other like, yeah, I often. mean, there's going to be some adversity. There's going to be some things Shit's that don't go happen. right.
2: It always does. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So, I mean... We'll see. Obviously, we got some T.Y. chatter yesterday. I don't think that's a realistic like, line of getting him here. I, don't, I just don't see that happening at the moment. Do
1: I think T.Y. can still play? Absolutely, I do. I'm never going to shut the door on it. You know, but right now, I like our group, and we like
3: our group. Yeah, man, those are the two groups. Wide receivers and offensive line. I'm like, all right, like, you're really banking on a group of like, five or six guys to step up and do things they have
2: not done. Let's dig into the offensive line. And, and here's, here's why they have the issue, if you want to call it that, that they do now. And this is important. Early in Chris Ballard's tenure, he wasn't paying any of his own guys because they didn't draft well before he got here, right? So when these guys are up for second contracts, none of them were good enough to pay again. The first one was Ryan Kelly. So you've got Quentin on a rookie deal. You've got Braden Smith on a rookie deal. You've got Glowinski on a mid-level deal. And you finally paid Ryan Kelly. And the one guy you were paying was with Anthony Costanzo, who was worth it. So now that you've paid Kelly and you're going to pay Nelson and you've paid Smith, you can't pay everybody. That's the reality. And especially when this team is going to want to pay Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman very soon. You can't let those guys walk out the door. They're going to get big contracts. Pittman's going to get a big deal at that position. So the reality is they need to hit. They need to hit on Danny Penner at right guard because he's on a rookie deal. And they kind of need to hit on Ryman at left tackle, whoever, you know, whenever he takes the job from Pryor or if Pryor stays, either one, Pryor or or Ryman, one of them needs to hit because financially it just doesn't make sense to shell out four or five big contracts on that line when you have other pieces that are taking up a lot of the salary cap, being Pittman and and Taylor in the next couple of years, right? Like you want to pay the skill position. So that's the reality of this. But this was interesting. Holder asked Ballard about this contract situation with Quentin Nelson. And look, it's been very clear that they're not talking about this contract, like nothing (laughs) like nobody like, trust me, I've tried like nobody is leaking a thing. I think we know why Quentin Nelson doesn't want it out there. But here's what he said. Holder said a lot of guards don't get paid top money. It's a lot of people. A lot of teams don't want to do that. Can one player transcend that? And here's what Ballard said verbatim. He said a player can transcend it. I mean, the Chiefs didn't have a problem paying that guard from New England. Big money. Kansas City gave Joe Thune five years, 80 million a couple of years ago. What's the difference? You pay your best players, okay? He's special. He's special. So hopefully we get things worked out. That's as, that's as much as Ballard's going to give on that topic. Jim Irsay has been equally adamant. They're going to pay Quentin Nelson. They're going to pay him. But it does make things a little bit tougher at these other spots. So I think they have to live with that to some regard that unknown that you just kind of talked about, that calculated risk, because they can't afford to go get the top right guard on the market or even the fifth top right guard on the market because they they just they need to hit on these rookie deals. And I think we're going to start to see that. It's sort of the problem when you draft well and then pay those guys, right? Like <laughs> right. you just have to find guys on rookie deals. And I was talking with Query about this on the Raider this morning. Like they're going to have to do that at quarterback in the next couple of years. Whenever Matt Ryan sails off in the sunset, it's going to be important for this team to hit on a rookie quarterback because he's going to be at that certain wage that allows you to pay the pieces around him. So that's sort of the roster maneuvering they have to do right now. But does it make me feel a little bit better about the wide receiver position? Not really. I really re- would have liked if they would have added one more piece. Like you just said, it, they're kind of just banking on everything working. And if it does, that's great. But when has it ever worked out perfectly? It just doesn't do that in this league.
3: In a sport as unforgiving as this, I mean, we we saw guys go down in the final preseason game. Season's over. I mean, it, that's just how it goes. Someone's gonna get hurt. That's not me being pessimistic. It's just the reality of how violent the, the sport is. So, I mean, we'll see. I, I think I like the anticipation. I think everyone does. Of hey, after these you know pods and and these pieces that we're putting out, we'll finally have something to grade them on, so to speak. You know, uh, you know, I don't know if we're giving out A pluses right away. It sounds all rosy and great right now. And we talked about this often just as, you know, we're nerding out about journalism. We can't wait for the conflict, for the adversity, for something to inevitably not go right, because that is what entertains us. That would, that's what stories, you know, kind of build themselves around. So we'll see. And I think another interesting thing in regard to we'll see is uh, Darius Shaquille Leonard.
1: He's got to work. It's like his first day of training camp. I really almost, you know, OTA work. So he's got to get the work in. He's been incredible. In every day at 5:45, meeting with coaches, extra time, spent rehabbing, uh, getting his body strong. So now this is the next step.
3: He's back. You know, he was uh, giving a thumbs up to us <laughs> on on the on the back end of the training facility.
2: Was it a nice thumbs up? Was it a taunting thumbs up? Was it?
3: You know, from what uh Nate Askins, you know, described through his you know binoculars, he was basically saying it's kind of like a like I think it was like a you guys can stop watching me in a sense. Thumbs up.
2: There we go. Well, we're not sorry. Sorry, Shaq. Yeah, like, you know, too good of a player, man.
3: <laughs> I think that's one, and, and I think that, and we joke about this all the time in media. He finds whatever slight or whatever thing that can kind of, and so I get it. Like you know, if you want to use whatever fuel that that we've tweeted out or written about saying you might not be ready for week one or whatever feel free but for Colts purposes it was good to see him back out there for the team he's their best defensive player he's one of the best in the league and based off of the video they tweeted out on Twitter it looks like he got a pick on his first day which is
2: very you know Shaquille Leonard-esque like his first practice with the team so he was drafted in 18 didn't do anything in the spring the second day of training camp he made this diving Falling backwards, pick of Andrew Luck, and we were like, "Oh, that kid from South Carolina State. What's his name? Like, he might be good." There's a little bit of shades of that because this is interesting. If you go back, like I asked Ballard yesterday, like when's the last time Darius practiced without pain? And Ballard said nineteen. So that's his second year. And you've had conversations with Zaire Franklin, and I have as well. Like one of Darius's closest friends in the team, like Zaire's like, dude, you need to get right remember how good you felt as a rookie? Like, you remember when you were just flying around hitting people? Like, Darius has been lugging this painful ankle injury around with him for almost three years. And if that dude gets straight and his ankle is fine, that's a scary thing. He was 18th on the NFL Top 100 with a bum ankle and a bum calf <laughs> last year. insane. And if he looks as good as he maybe did in this video that the Colts tweeted out yesterday of making that pick, that's a scary sight. Now, do you think kind of reading through the tea leaves, but it doesn't sound like he's going to play in Houston based on what we've heard. Like Ballard's like, look, it's like his first day of OTAs. He needs to practice. He needs to play football. There's a difference between just like going through the motions and and working out and actually playing football and putting the pads on. I don't think he plays in Houston, but it sounds like he'll probably play before week three or week four maybe. Looking for an
0: assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone?
3: That's what I think. I also think that it might be a situation where they have to protect him from himself. You get a taste of it and you want to go from step one to step five right away. And then obviously you get a pick yesterday. You're like, I'm back. Everything's fine. Like everything's the
2: same, but it's how do you feel in the morning?
3: Exactly. And then also, you know, how does your body respond to just the regimen of being in a, in a routine again and being in a regular team? Setting like everything you've done up to this point has been individual. It's been super early in the morning. Like there have been all the training camp practices and stuff like that in Westfield were in the afternoon to kind of prepare your body for a typical game day. Like he wasn't doing that. He was out there, but he was out there super early in the morning. You know, doing his individual work. What I understand, and then he'd come out there and just kind of stand around during practice. So routine wise, you probably have to get back into a a rhythm there. But I do think there's going to be that conversation. Like, hey. Areas like you know, I'm sorry, Shaquille. We know you really want to get out there. We know that if you know this was week 17, we're trying to make the playoffs, you'd probably go out there and play, but it's week one and it's Houston. And quite frankly, if you can't beat Houston
2: without Shaquille, you got bigger problems on your hand, in my opinion. But like James, you know this. Like they can't say that. Like they can't say that exactly. Like, if the Colts can't beat the Texans without Shaq Leonard, like they got bigger problems. So They beat the Texans by a combined score of 61-6 to last year. And I think the Texans are going to be a little bit better, and it's week one, so you never know what's going to happen. But I think the Colts probably can go down there and take care of business by double digits without him. Then you go to Jacksonville in week two, and I don't know what to say about this game. Like I don't know what to think. I'm scarred from all those games I've covered. Who knows if they need Darius Leonard for that game or not. But I think the bottom line is, that dude gives you something mentally, emotionally, not just his play. Now he's going to be at the mic. Remember that it's going to be a little bit of a different position for him. He'll be around the ball a little bit more in the middle of the field, which is where he's so dangerous, but getting 53 on the field back yesterday, it just feels like a Colts practice. He's yelling, he's screaming, he's running around, he's making plays. He's the heartbeat of that defense. He's the backbone of it. And Gakwe and Gilmore are going to be great players, but everything's about 53. And so the long-term goal is to be, At their best when they weren't last year in January, which is means they don't need to rush anything in August or September to get him back on the field. He needs to be ready for the long haul. So they're going to be really, really cautious with this. I think that's the right move. They want to get this stupid nagging ankle calf back thing in the rear view. If I had to guess, I'd say he probably doesn't play in Houston. He probably needs a couple weeks of practice. But then again, this is probably a guy you never ever want to underestimate. But This is a really good step for him, like getting out full padded practices like he's getting closer. And that's a good thing because they're all things considered a really healthy team as we get into week one next week.
3: Yeah, I think so. They're very fortunate to go through. Um, training camp through the preseason with no significant injuries part of that was just not playing Jonathan Taylor at all you um, didn't <laughs> <laughs> see a snap I
2: wouldn't have, I wouldn't have given him one either I'm
3: like you know I'm a little uh concerned about him no I'm joking like he'll be fine um he was yeah, voted. Maybe he's lost a step no you know, I'm just kidding.
2: what is it he was number
3: five on the NFL top 100 which is voted on by the players. And again, that's voted on by the players. I know there's always people who get mad at these lists and call out the NFL or call out the writers. And it's like, we did not pick this. Their peers did.
2: I'll say this. Like some guys take it really seriously. And some guys will be like, hey, who should I put number three? You know, it's like in the locker room, they're filling out their list. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Aaron Rodgers sounds good. So some guys take it really seriously. Some don't. If you're asking me to list the 100 players in the NFL, yeah.
3: like off the top of my head, like i I think that would really take some time for me to really think about the top 100 player. I could probably give you like a solid top 10. Off the top of my head, and by that I just mean like ten names, not even the order of it. But I do kind of understand that, and, and for us, it's like we research these things, we try to, you know, make it our job. But for players, it's like, all right, if I'm a player, I'm not gonna lie.
2: That guy just worked me over last week. I'm gonna put him on there. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean it is.
3: It is. <laughs> or I like this guy, he- or we went to the same college, or I, oh, he's underrated, or the coach isn't doing like I'm gonna give him some love. That's my so. old teammate,
2: right? Right? Yeah. Right.
3: So there's, I mean, there's bias in all of it from from all of us, but I do think there's. You know, when you see certain players uh, in certain spots, it's like, all right, like you, you kind of understand that it isn't that big of a deal. But it is significant to, for Jonathan Taylor in particular to get that respect right away after his first big season. Um, I know when I watched the NFL uh, Network program about it, there are a few players, so I think we'll put him at number one. He's a talented guy.
2: Dude, five for a running back, that's a big deal, man. This is a quarterback-receiver league, and five for a running back, like, people noticed. People saw him last year. And I'll say this.
3: He will not be ranked that high come this time next year because he will not be asked, or he shouldn't, you know, replicate that season, in a sense. Like, you want to have Naheem Hines having more touches. And and i throw a caveat in there. If he is ranked that high again, it's because he probably had some playoff success, and that's when he really showed, like, who he is, but I don't think he'll replicate that regular season again. I don't think he should. I don't think any fan should want that. You know, maybe if you're a fantasy owner, you do, but a regular fan, no, just because you don't want him taking that amount of hits. I mean, the, the statistics are there. I mean, running backs don't stay on top very long. So you want to try to keep them fresh. And I think him and, and Naheem give them a very good one-two punch. And obviously, when it comes to just getting that first big punch in the main punch, he'll be there. I mean, Jonathan is a guy who again, we've discussed, does not know how good he is. Everyone else knows how good he is. I don't say how good he is, but he's just so humble and so just normal in a sense, where he just never talks Such about nice how good, man. never. But I'm like, man, like I would love to be just like in his helmet, like with a speaker or a mic, just to hear what he's saying or thinking throughout the game. Because I'm like, that flip gets switched in him and and he's just a beast, but he will never say I'm that dude, but he is. And he's a big reason why this team
2: should have high expectations. Funny thing about JT is like, never get this sense of cockiness. And I think cockiness helps. Like, I think like some of these guys, like they need to have it. And and the only sense we've ever gotten, I was talking to Naheem Hines one day and he was like, yeah, like JT never says he's going to have a big day. But like, like one time we're watching film and he's like, oh, like someone could go off this weekend. And it's like, yeah, you like you're that someone. (laughs) So, um. I mean, gosh, I've covered this team for eight or nine years now, and he's just one of the nicest, most polite guys. But it's not I've fake either, though, right? With.
3: Like, it's not no, really, it's like, he's, just, like, yeah, saying these rehearsed answers. He's one of the best
2: players I've ever covered, too, yeah. I feel like we haven't talked about him enough. You know, we talk about Shaq Leonard and his injury and Matt Ryan's arrival and Gakway and Gilmore, and, like, it's hard to get a real sense of the running backs in training camp for a couple reasons. And those that came out to Westfield, you kind of know because it's like they're not tackling – it's not real football – Even if they're in pads, it's not real football and he didn't play in the preseason like you just don't get a real sense. So I think come September 11th in Houston, everyone's going to be like, oh, damn, he is that dude. He still is really good because it's hard to explain like how crazy it is to see a guy go from not even ranked in the top 100 at all, who was kind of benched six or seven games into his rookie year to boom, the fifth best player in football. And an MVP candidate, like he has to be an MVP candidate. I know it's going to go to a quarterback, which it always does. JT is a special dude, and Colts fans need to enjoy him in his prime because it's going to be special. It's going to be a lot like it was with Edred James back in the day. Let me just run through the top 100 real quick just so we hit on them. Kenny Moore was at 82, DeForest Buckner at 66. Quentin clocked in at number 28. After what he has described as a disappointing season for him, Shaquille Leonard at 18 and JT was at five. So, you know, the responses I got from a lot of people, five players on the top 100, no playoff games last year. I get it. That's disappointment. There's too much talent on this team. I think they led the league with seven pro bowlers last year. There's too much talent on this team not to be playing in January in the playoffs. And that's the reality. And that's very much what they have to change this season, starting next week in Houston.
3: Absolutely. And, the start of the season in general is big for them. I think what is it? Five of the first seven are, are you know, divisional. Opponents, so you can't fall flat on your face. Like you should be looking at two and zero, you know, three and one. Like these are games that you have to win, not only from a record standpoint, but from a if you want to get in the easiest way, just you get you got to win. You know those games against your rivals. So we'll see how that plays out. And one thing, just going back to JT, obviously when he comes back, a lot of things will change and shift, and the offense will actually look like an offense. You know, we've been repeating it over and over, but. There wasn't much scheming. It was basically like, you know, we'll, we'll throw you guys out there wide receivers and just win your matchup one on one. Michael Pittman Jr. can do that and, and do it rather easily. But when you're asking these younger receivers or these unproven guys to do that consistently, that can be kind of hard when you're scheming. and You have a guy like Jonathan Taylor that you have to account for in the backfield or Naheem Hines, who also didn't play in the um, preseason finale that changes things significantly so i'm just excited to see real football like i said i've transitioned from the nba to the nfl where you can kind of take a little bit more away from like nba preseason because they're actually playing guys and obviously the risk is is not nearly as high but now we'll see you know what the colts are really looking for what they're really looking like also the, the honeymoon stage i think will be over in a sense like obviously they come out and win everyone's gonna be super high everyone's great you know matt ryan's great whatever whatever but i just want to see that I mean no one plays the perfect game so you want to see hey some of these weaknesses we talked about will they rear up or, w- or will they not so it might not be exposed right away with Houston or even Jacksonville but at some point it's going to come and I think that um I'm getting a little antsy just because I'm I'm ex- I'm kind of sick of hearing my own voice talk about what could be what might be what isn't whatever it's like you know as Ballard said like when Shaquille's ready, he'll be out there, and that's kind of how I look at like the games and stuff. Like when the team's ready, they'll be out there, whether they're ready or not. The games are coming.
2: The games—they tell you. They tell you if they're for real or not. That's what I'm excited about. I always get excited before week one, and we'll be down there in Houston. And you know, maybe you have an easier opener. I'm not ready to chalk up week two as a win. Not after what's happened there the last several years. But oh <laughs> my goodness. But we're gonna find out five weeks in if this team's for real. Like there's nowhere to hide. When it gets to early October, they've got Houston, they've got Jacksonville, both on the road. Then they come home for a huge, huge opener at home against the Kansas City Chiefs. That's going to be a Tony Romo, Jim Nance game. Tennessee comes to Indy in week four. I don't need to tell everyone out there what Jim Irsay has said about the Titans dominating the Colts. The last couple of years, it's really, really pissed him off, to put it bluntly. Everyone knows how those games ended last year, especially the one at home. The Colts were up and the left-handed interception, and then another interception when JT was wide open, et cetera, et cetera. And then you've got a huge one on a Thursday night with newly signed Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos in Denver. So you know, five weeks in, you're going to get to tell if this team's for real or not. And then the holes that they have dug themselves the last several years in September and October, they know the cost of that later in the season. They know how much it takes to climb back into the playoff picture and how that that takes out of you. I really feel and I know Frank Reich feels this as well, like that mentally wore them down, like just the amount of effort it took to get back to where they were that night in Arizona at the end of last season when they thought they were going to be in the playoffs. And then we all know what happened from there. So we'll see. But I'm with you, James, like I'm tired of talking about the receivers. I'm tired of talking about the O-line depth. I want them to play some games. I want to see the top end guys out there doing what they do. I'm tired of the preseason. Let's go. Let's get to Houston and see what this team's made of.
3: And one more quick thing as far as topping guys and just players being available, Isaiah Rogers Sr., Was back at practice yesterday in his pads, in his helmet after being a concussion protocol, which is an encouraging sign for them. It kind of lingered in a sense. You know, sometimes concussions, you can be out for three or four days or whatever. Sometimes you can be out for months. Like it it really is kind of depends. But so to see him back out there is obviously encouraging for them. Um, He's a guy who can make plays in secondary for them. So that's another guy to keep an eye on. I know we talk a lot about Shaquille, but as great as he is, he isn't on defense by himself. They have other guys who are also playmakers who make a difference out there
2: had an interesting conversation with Matt Ryan last night. We sat down for about 20 minutes, and that story will be up on The Athletic next week. One of the interesting parts, I thought, was the first person he called when he thought the Colts were an option. He called a couple former quarterbacks that he knows well, and he asked them some interesting questions. And, and it kind of told me a little bit about Matt Ryan and where he's at in his career. So that will be out next week at The Athletic. And James, I know you've got a couple of things you're working on
3: yeah I'm working on one about Dallas Flowers you could argue that he's the 51st 52nd 53rd guy on the team but he made it and he's got an incredible journey to getting to the NFL never played division one football for what I understand but has kind of took this winding road and, and probably heard a lot of your crazies and, and you're never going to be at this point and he made it so um, I kind of I think anyone from a human standpoint can kind of respect someone who sticks to a dream that seems impossible. And obviously everyone comes back around later and says, you know, I believed in you, but that probably wasn't the case. So I'm excited to talk to him about his journey and, and making it to the NFL. And obviously the, the, the challenge now is, is to stay there. And, you know, I talked to you about this yesterday, but it's like nothing's guaranteed in this league. You know, you, you get in and it's like, you have a job today. Obviously when you're a star player, yeah. You know, your household name, it's a little, you know, easier to kind of breathe. But I do, you know, and I ask him about it, but you kind of want to see, like, how do you appreciate the accomplishment, but also like stay, quote unquote, locked in to your opportunity and and not let it slip out of your grasp. And sometimes it doesn't slip out of your grasp. Something else just happens with the roster or team makes a decision. So I'm excited to talk to him because it is a triumphant moment in his life and, and something that a lot of kids dream of. And the path that he took is not one that you dream
2: of. Like he really had to go and get it. It's a good story. He's not here. He's not here um, thinking he's made it. I know that. That's not the right approach. But um, yeah, I mean, if Rodgers or Faison goes down, it's Dallas Flowers, who's, whose name's going to get called. And he's an undrafted rookie at a position where it's tough. Like life is tough when you're a young cornerback. So lots to come on the athletic in the coming days and weeks. I have a story right now with what Chris Ballard said yesterday about the state of his team and roster cuts, and we will have a lot more coming ahead of next week, including that story on Matt Ryan, a look at Matt Pryor and Dallas Flowers, and a lot more ahead of the trip to Houston next week. So for James Boyd, this is Zach Kiefer. Thank you for listening to 1% Better. We'll be back next week when it's week one.